Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and today is episode 600. There's something you don't see every day. Like, holy podcast palooza, Batman. There has been an awful lot of water under the bridge since November of 2016. If you haven't, you should make a point to watch the Live at Five episode with Mary Albee from this month, where we talk about the creation of Pure Dog Talk. Everything from what to name it, to her dragging me kicking and screaming into the role as host. It's a pretty epic conversation. And for everybody who's listening, just know that you can go to the website, puredogtalk.com, and the blog post will have links to a bunch of these things that I'm talking about today. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for the life of your pet. Trupanion can give you peace of mind knowing your pet is covered in the event of an unexpected accident or illness. Even better, Trupanion can pay your veterinarian directly and has no payout limits, so you'll never have to choose between what's best for your pet and what's best for your wallet. And if you're a breeder, you can join Trupanion's free breeder support program and get a special offer to share with your puppy buyers that waives all the waiting periods, so coverage goes into effect immediately. And when I was at the garden this summer, I was hanging out with Trupanion and I got a chance to catch up with Cindy. She's a breeder who's a member of Trupanion's breeder support program. And she shared the following testimonial with us. She said that Trupanion has been the best and saved me thousands of dollars. My puppy buyers love it and I hope they always stick with it. A dog is never going to have an accident on payday. It's always when the money is tight. Cindy, you are dead on about that. So take a moment, guys. Sign up for Trupanion's free breeder support program now so you and your litters can be prepared for anything. Get started by heading over to my partner page, puredogtalk.com. So, y'all, I have thoughts. (laughs) I mean, I have lots of thoughts, but instead of droning on about, I don't know, how impactful this podcast actually is, which I know you know, because I hear from y'all on the daily. So I want to dig into a topic that is front of mind for every single one of our listeners. Not a day goes by in one of the, I don't know, 9 million groups on Dogbook or in our own patrons group or somewhere, that there isn't commentary about mentors and mentees and the relationships therein. I even touched on this some in a conversation with Vicki Ronchetti on her Show Dog Prep School Facebook Live a few weeks back. And the fact is, for me, the most moving and powerful moments of the last seven years 
have been when like random strangers tell me that Pure Dog Talk and the work that we do here has served as their mentors. That Pure Dog Talk, me as the host and all of our amazing guests, shout out to every single one of y'all, that we're the reasons that they're breeding dogs or showing dogs or participating in a club. And that veterinary voice episodes with Marty Greer have literally saved their dog's life. That I, little me, that I was their virtual mentor from afar in a tiny, tinny voice over their smartphone. So I wanted to dive into the concept of mentorship more in this epic moment of episode 600. This day represents a truly mind-bending amount of time and energy, learning, growing, succeeding, failing. And I guess I'd like to use that as an avatar for really a larger conversation. Growing up this podcast, this community, this ever-blossoming dialogue is in many ways analogous to the effort involved as both mentor and mentee in any relationship. And as it turns out, the ability and willingness to share knowledge and accept the sharing of knowledge in a mentoring type relationship is not actually hardwired into the human brain. So I went searching for, you guessed it, some more insight and some more knowledge. And these bits that I'm going to discuss come from the Harvard Business Review, and they were shockingly I thought, on point for addressing the mentor-mentee relationship inside our own world of purebred dogs. So the link, as I said, to the full article will be on the website. But this lead paragraph, I just found to be so incredibly on point. And it says that good mentoring is discipline agnostic. Okay, so what that means is whether you're a mentor to a medical resident or a marketing manager or in our case, to a breeder or a dog groomer or a handler, the same principles apply across the board. And the best mentorships are more like the relationship between a parent and adult child than between a boss and employee. And they're characterized by mutual respect, trust, shared values, and good communication. Like, hello, that seems pretty obvious to me, (laughs) right? And that they find their apotheosis, in other words, their culmination, the end result, in the mentee's transition to mentor. And we've also seen that dysfunctional mentorships share common characteristics across disciplines. Okay, so this is all coming from the Harvard Business Review. And they had some really good advice that I thought I would share with you guys. This is written from the perspective of people who are going to mentor. Okay. And the first one is to choose mentees carefully. Okay. I think that's fair. That effective mentorship takes time. Mentors trade away hours they could use to pursue their own career goals and spend them on someone else's. So take that in for a minute. That is something that I think we all need to understand and appreciate both people who are mentoring that we are giving our hours to help someone else and from the mentee's position to understand that we are giving away hours to help them. 
one word of caution in this article, beware the diffident candidate who expects the mentor to keep the relationship going or the candidate who insists on doing things their way. A mentee should be curious, organized, efficient, responsible, and engaged. I think there's a little bit of overmuch in some of this article, but okay, seems legit. Also, they recommend to establish a mentorship team, which I think this is actually kind of interesting, that more than one person should be involved and that the exclusive one-on-one relationship of mentor and mentee, long the norm, was ideal for a time when both parties stayed in one institution or devoted to a single mission, and that that time has passed. And so this is referring more to academia and that kind of stuff, but I think it applies, right? People have one breed, they maybe take on another breed, they may find mentorship from someone in a whole entirely other breed. So I think that that is really good advice. And they also recommend that having a handful of co-mentors gives mentees a fallback position if the relationship with their primary mentor fizzles. It also recommends that you should run a tight ship. The mentor role needn't take on an excessive amount of time. They observe, establishing firm and clear ground rules with mentees can improve efficiency. Again, this is coming more from a business perspective, but I think that one of the areas that I have found myself failing in is that I tend to want to be too available and I answer the phone at all times of the day and night, and that can lead to its own sets of complications. There are times that that's important you're whelping a litter or what have you, that's a thing. Like you have to be there. But there's also times as mentor and mentee to understand relationships and relationship boundaries. So I think that's probably where I would leave it for our purposes, right? This one I thought was really important. (laughs) Obviously, this would be an obvo. Head off riffs (laughs) or resolve them. It's not uncommon for mentors and mentees to have a falling out What seemed like a perfect pairing on the surface may wind up being a total mismatch. Sometimes this becomes obvious suddenly. Again, obvo. (laughs) In some cases, there's nothing to be done. Usually, though, this is from this article, which I think is interesting, it's possible to avoid or repair problems. Mentors must recognize that disagreements and misunderstandings are almost inevitable in these relationships, and that the mentor, not the mentee, is responsible for avoiding and repairing rifts. Smart mentors do not allow sores to fester or spats to escalate. They intervene early to keep the relationship on track. And I think that's a really interesting perspective that this very scholarly article is putting the onus on the mentor. Like you're the grown up in the room. You're the one who's supposed to be managing some of this. So I thought that was actually important information and probably something that I have been not as good at sometimes. So <laughs> this was another one. I absolutely love this. Do not commit mentorship malpractice. <laughs> I thought that was fabulous phrasing, but I think the message is super important. Because mentors are in the dominant position in the relationship, it's easy for them to wield their power inappropriately, even if they're not fully aware of it. 
this mentorship malpractice has negative career consequences for both parties. So insert situations with your breeding program or your handling or what have you. And a call out in this article that the next time you look in the mirror, professionally speaking, ask yourself whether you've been guilty of any of these behaviors, and if you are, to stop them immediately. So for example, taking credit for your mentee's ideas or usurping lead position on their projects. Woo, people, I've seen this. Insisting that your mentees advance your projects rather than allowing them to develop their own work. So I can assure you this is one that I have had to watch myself and catch myself and say, okay, that's not really what we're supposed to be doing here. Handcuffing your mentee to your timeline, slowing their own progress when you are slow to get back to them. Again, I think these are all important things to think about and sit back and say, okay, am I doing this? Am I not doing this? What are we seeing here? The next point in this mentorship malpractice is discouraging your mentees from seeking other mentors, which may stoke your ego, but isolate them from broader learning and recognition. Super important, a major thing I see in the dog world. And then the final one is allowing mentees to repeat common self-destructive mistakes, what we call mentee missteps without reining in such behavior. Now, to me, that feels a little controlling from a mentor position, but I'm just saying, you know, helping people learn by allowing them to learn from your experience, positive or negative, is an important thing. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, crew. I hear from folks pretty much daily asking for a specific topic or for a series of podcasts on a topic. So ask and you shall receive. (laughs) I've done all the hard work. I've sorted, searched, and compiled eight different albums from the archives on our most popular topics. And when I say there's a podcast for that, I ain't just a woofin. Getting yours today is super simple. Just jump on puredogtalk.com backslash store and click the PDT albums image. And when you're in there, you're going to find a collection of veterinary voices. You're going to find a collection for breeding and whelping hands-on. You'll find Pure Dog Talk University on dog breeding. Love the breeds. Up your game. Owner handlers, the interviews, events and sports. There is so much there. And once you're in those links, you'll be able to read the details of the topic. For a special introductory price of a buck ninety-nine, you get a link to dozens, up to more than a hundred episodes on these specific topics. And while you're there, if you or a friend or family member are just getting started, even just starting a search for your first well-bred purebred dog, you can also check out Auntie Laura's Beginner's Guide to Show Dogs at puredogtalk.com backslash book to get the foundational Pure Dog Talk episodes with bonus tracks. So hop on it, y'all. These special prices will not last. 
So the next thing on this was to prepare for transition. And a mentor's accumulated wisdom and expertise must be passed on to the next generation. Good mentors make this process conscious, discussing challenges and satisfactions of mentorship with their mentees. And while the actual moment of transition from mentee to mentor varies according to circumstances, the mentor must feel that the mentee has achieved real expertise and has a coping, generous personality to make this leap. thought that was a really great way of thinking about mentors. So then, on the flip side of the conversation, the National Institute of Health has a mentee toolkit, which I thought was fabulous. And why don't we have anything like this in dogs? I think I see another project for me in the offing. (laughs) This toolkit offers 10 tips for mentees that, again, are 100% on point for folks in our world. So the first tip for the mentee is to initiate. In order to sustain the mentoring relationship, take the initiative to ask your mentor a question to ask about their own experiences. So tip number one, initiate the conversation. Tip number two, I think super important, honor your commitment. Your mentor probably has a demanding job. Yes, we do. They've volunteered to take on the added responsibility. Please be appreciative of your mentor's time and investment, which (laughs) I'm just going to put it out there. Yeah, a little appreciation goes a long way. Help your mentor help you. Tell your mentor how they can be most helpful to you. So again, this is initiating, taking the lead in the conversation of helping the mentor know what you need to learn or what you're hoping for. Tip number four here, probably the most important one on this list. (laughs) Expect support, not miracles. Yeah, you can expect a certain level of support and advice from a mentor but they can't solve your problems for you. Perhaps the most valuable quality a mentor can offer is an alternative point of view. A mentor can put the situation in perspective, offer feedback, serve as a sounding board, and identify others whose brain you might pick or activities you can engage in that you can help meet your goals. So I just really feel like that, that expects support, not miracles. Yeah. Yes, please. Number five, communicate clearly. Yes. Once again, communication. Communication is the key. Initiate contact if you have questions, you want to discuss something. Absolutely important. I think this is another one of the owning your piece of this. Identify your needs and communicate those as clearly as possible. So I think that that is something that as a mentee, I don't know that I was as good at as I could have been for sure. Number six, another really, really important point on this list, be teachable. Yeah. Be willing to learn new things, obtain perspective, and be responsive to suggestions and constructive criticism. So I'm going to lean into this a little bit. Number one, from the mentor position, the criticism needs to be constructive, not just criticism, and it needs to be properly phrased and presented to the mentee. As the mentee, just because the mentor says something to you that you don't like doesn't mean they're being mean to you. They're trying to help you. So I know that can be a hard one, but there's that. Number seven, keep up your end. Work hard at being a good mentee. 
Okay. Number eight, follow through. I think this is really cool. When you act on your mentor's suggestions, let them know how it went. So that feedback loop, I think, is really cool. Number nine, look ahead at your calendar. So if you have times that you're not going to be available for the relationship, I think that's pretty basic. And number 10 is a repeat of what we saw earlier in the mentor position, correct misunderstandings when they happen. Get in touch with your mentor before a concern becomes a problem. So there you go. I know you guys have heard me go on and on and on and on and on and on. Education is the key to everything. But what I've learned, and this is a fact over the years as both a mentee and a mentor, I've been both, communication is actually the linchpin to success. As I noted, it's mentioned in both of those recommendations above. I know I've made mistakes. I know I have. (laughs) I can enumerate them some other time over a glass of wine. But I've worked really hard to learn from those mistakes and to make better choices going forward. So... The key takeaway here, I think, is that everybody screws up. And if <laughs> if there's any quote that sums up purebred dogs and our many, many relationships in and amongst them, it's this one that is frequently attributed, although as it turns out, erroneously attributed, to Winston Churchill. Success is not final, and failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And while apparently Britain's most famous prime minister didn't actually say those words, I take them to heart. And I have the lived experience of both. So bottom line, mentorship is a balancing act made more delicate by a deeply emotional attachment to the dogs that we're talking about. So with that in mind, I wanted to share one final item for the good of the order. And this is another excerpt. I didn't include the whole thing. It'll be up on the website. But it's from an article written by a breeder of 40 years. And this really resonated deeply with me for many, many reasons. And I wanted to share it with all you guys. The title of the article, the headline, is Ruthless. Ruthless is something the original German breeders in developing my breed, developing the German wire hair pointer, understood very, very well. And I have aimed for ruthless as a positive goal in my nearly 30 years working towards my vision of what the wire hair should look like. So this is excerpted from the article by Sandra Murray. And she says that not many breeders aspire to being known as ruthless. That word carries really negative connotations for most of us. However, if we are to become the master breeders that our chosen breed so demands, then ruthless is exactly what we must become. In the context of a breeding program, ruthlessness becomes a worthy goal, one that every master breeder practices constantly. In fact, no real progress can be made within a breed unless a substantial core of ruthless master breeders practice their craft over a number of years. And Sandra Murray continues, let me explain what I mean. Let's say that breeder A takes her good quality champion bitch to breeder B's stud dog, a dog that is known for his excellence of structure and movement and the main reason why breeder A chose him. I talk about this all the time, y'all. In the resulting litter of four, two puppies inherit the sire's good reach and drive, but have heads only somewhat better in quality than the sire. 
The other two puppies inherit the classic typey head and body shape of the dam, but exhibit only average ability to cover ground. Breeder A absolutely loves the heads of the latter two puppies and their quality of type and just can't bring herself to keep and breed from the great moving but only acceptably headed puppies in the litter. By choosing one of the better headed puppies to keep and breed with, Breeder A has totally negated the very reason that she chose its sire. Breeder A has failed to be ruthless enough to retain one of the better moving puppies, refusing to accept that heads are easier to fix than structure and movement in subsequent offspring. Every time I evaluate a litter, people, I say, what did you do the breeding to get? Keep what you did the breeding to get. So, Ms. Murray offers another example. In choosing a 14-week-old puppy to keep from a litter, breeder C loves the quality of type shown in a bitch puppy's head and body. If this breeder holds on to ruthless honesty, he will notice that the back dips markedly behind the withers, the croup slopes, which causes an overly long tail to arch unattractively over the back, and the front legs are noticeably bowed. Breeder C has violated the ruthless evaluation law. Three strikes, and you're out. Each strike must represent a serious fault in structure, movement, or breed type. I will add as a side note to this, temperament, but that's me. In this particular bitch pup, the crooked legs lack the strength of straight bone to withstand the repetitive concussions of landing after jumping off of or over something. The dip behind the withers signifies a weakness in the structure of the back. Quite serious. The sloping croup, again, points out a serious defect, this time in the slope and position of the pelvis, yes, that will adversely affect rear movement. The banana tail that always seems to accompany a sloping croup does not carry any structural or movement problems, but is a serious breed type fault in some of the terrier breeds. If breeder C knew which traits are extremely dominant in his breed, he'd realize that sloping croups, as well as dips in the back behind the withers, are the devil's own work to breed out of a line. Ruthless he must be in order to cull this particular puppy by selling it as a pet with neutering required. Ms. Murray continues, choosing to use what I call the three strikes you're out rule, breeder D has called upon longtime breeders to help her evaluate a six-month-old puppy from her last litter. The youngster has a lovely head and a good coat, but its shoulder blades are set too far apart, strike one, and at too straight an angle, strike two. The stifles in the hind legs seem to have adequate angulation, but perhaps because of shortened ligaments and tendons, and the puppy significantly lacks reach and drive behind, strike three. Its hocks move too closely and it wings slightly in front. You're out, right? Very few of the longtime breeders tell Breeder D that the whole truth about this puppy for fear of hurting her feelings. May I mention here that ruthlessness applies to mentors as well as breeders. Since we're on this mentorship conversation, I thought that was a good point. In closing, Ms. Murray says that these fictional scenarios barely scratch the surface of all the ways in which breeders fail to be ruthless enough to improve their own stock or the future of their breed. 
I would invite all of us to take a hard look at our breeding practices to truly see where we have failed to be ruthless enough in evaluating our dogs. From evaluating correct breed type to structure, to movement, to temperament, to health issues, where have we achieved ruthlessness in selecting only the very best, no matter the cost to us and heartache, correcting former misconceptions, having nothing to show, etc. And where have we failed? Hats off to the ruthless breeders. Long may they breed, compete, and mentor so that others may learn to be ruthless also. All right, you guys, with that, thank you. Thank you all. Thank you for joining me on this long and winding journey to 600 opportunities to help support, encourage, guide, and yes, be gently ruthless in my goal to help develop the master breeders and handlers of the future. I promise you there will be more to come. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk.